And if I sound a bit angry uh, to one or two viewers on this particular podcast, well, I am. Um, I think we've squandered the Brexit opportunities. I think we've gone down a route of socialist command economy state control. I think we're seeing the failings of it um, as businesses now start to really consider whether the UK is the right place to invest, given the threat of windfall taxes. And in energy terms, I mean, for the Times of London to run a front page last week that energy rationing could be coming by the autumn. I mean, can you Adam and Evit? Uh, and yet... Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, the first story is the obvious one. I'm calling it chaos in the cabinet. Is it just a storm in a teacup or is there more to what's going on in the halls of power? If you read the Sun and the Mail, the, the, the Tory supporting Boris papers, they will tell you that Boris's removal will lead to disaster and we can't take the risk because there's no obvious successor. Well, I'm here to tell you that absolutely the opposite is true. If they stick with Johnson, I suspect they're headed for a 1997-style wipeout. It's quite right to say that Starmer is not Blair. That he was pretty unimpressive. Uh, you know How he managed, as The Guardian this morning put it, to miss an open goal of PMQs after all of this is beyond me. But here's the thing. In the red wall, a lot of that vote was about getting Brexit over the line. And that's why in much of the country, I just eased back and said to Johnson, right, you know, you have it. We, 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 we've got to end this agony. But there's another, another factor that's been forgotten. Fear of Corbyn. Corbyn seen as an IRA Hamas sympathiser. Corbyn seen as unpatriotic. Corbyn not singing the national anthem. Corbyn wanted to replace the British army with a peace force. This doesn't go down well in the northeast of England, uh, you know, in areas where they feel a strong affinity to national identity, to the armed forces. Corbyn's gone. And Starmer isn't scary like that. The second factor, and this is interesting, is that the Liberal Democrats, uh, you know, again, don't appear to be particularly hard left wing. They're environmentally friendly. They, yes, they're pro-EU, but they're not advocating rejoining the EU. I think they will advocate rejoining the single market, but that's slightly different. Um, and so you've got a, a sort of pincer movement that in Wakefield on the 23rd of June in the by-election, Labour will win. And in Holliston and Tiverton on the 23rd of June, down there in Devon, the Lib Dems will win. Now, these may be by-elections, but I think we can see that happening right across the country. So they're headed for catastrophe under this man. A third of Conservative voters, a third who voted Tory in 2019, think the man is an outright liar and charlatan. And when you lose that amount of support, you can't win. Interesting to see overnight the news that um, Baroness Helena Morrissey, uh, you know, very accomplished financial services woman, um, was there in the Foreign Office acting as an independent advisor. She's gone overnight because she thinks Boris should go. So this, this isn't, you know, a bunch of panicky backbenchers. This is much more widespread. And in economic terms, um, I've got to say this. I mean, think what Johnson's done. He's managed to turn the United Kingdom into a high tax, high spend, handout state 
that randomly puts taxes on companies that are seen to be too successful. We've started with the oil and gas sector. We're now this morning talking about some of the care homes and others, maybe super taxes start getting put on them. Um, and, and, and frankly, I mean, this is, this is to the left of Blair in terms of economics, and we're not reaping any of the benefits that you and I talked about in the first broadcast we did when we launched Fortune and Freedom, which was that with Brexit, we've got a chance to go for free market economics, for entrepreneurship, none of it is being done. Um, and that is why the pound is still under pressure. And I think likely to continue that way. How else are you updating your investment forecast based on this change with Boris Johnson, other than the pound shifting? Is there anything else you've got on your mind? Well, it's political risk, isn't it? I mean, the markets will see this as political risk. Uh, you know, they have a big majority, so there's no prospect of the government falling. I just think we go into a period of chaos, instability, and indiscipline. I mean, there's a lot of those that voted against him aren't accepting this result. They're now looking to change the rules of the 1922 committee so they can get another contest before the autumn. A lot of them think if he's still there at the conference, it'll be too late to get rid of him because the general election's probably coming, you know, within a year of all, or within six or eight months of that. So you are going to see a government uh, with rather like the major, the last two years of the major government, a government utterly disunited. Um, it's just not good. It's just not good. Now, you know, one argument, of course, for falling pound is that actually a lot of FTSE companies have foreign earnings. That's not necessarily a bad thing for them. Uh, and there'll still be sectors that do well. Uh, but I, I have to say, if you look at the risks, you know, the risks to energy, the risks to food, the risks of what may or may not happen in Ukraine, uh, political risks, uh, certainly in this country, uh, a completely disunited Eurozone. And I'm not predicting this, but hey, remarkable how well the hard left Jean-Luc Mélenchon is doing in the French elections. The first round comes this Sunday. Um, so whichever way you look, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the stock markets are going through the roof. I think they're going to have a very, very tough time. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's kind of, you know, it's one of those moments where I think all the advice we've given uh, you know, particularly through UK independent wealth, about being in companies that pay good dividends, that don't have high borrowing ratios, that actually make products that are being sold. I mean, all of those things are very, very good advice. And the history of, you know, if you go back through a century of difficult times and falling markets, you find actually some of these companies go up because there is a flight to quality. Um, equally, uh, you know, gold should be benefiting more than it is. I, I have little doubt that there is some central bank selling of some kind going on in the markets. I don't know whether Putin is selling some of Russia's vast gold reserves because he just needs the cash. Uh, but there's something depressing the gold price at the moment. Um, but I still think that's the right place to be too. I know you're a fan of your, your green spaces and natural parks and things like that. So I'm curious what you make of this news about the government giving the green light for gas drilling in Surrey Hills countryside. Is it, is it a saviour of, uh, of the UK's economy or is it ruining you know, the, well, the green uh, space? Well, this, this, this isn't open cast mining. This isn't ripping up vast tracts of land. You know, when you actually look at a fully operational gas plant, it's about the size of two football pitches, max. 
about the size of two football pitches. And once you've extracted the gas from that well, you finish up with a cap over the top of it, which is about the size of, of, the, of the, the, the floor space of the average house. So, you know, we are not looking here at huge environmental degradation. And I say that because I live on the same ridge. I live, I live just over the border in Kent on that same ridge. Um, no, I'm not scared of it. Um, I know there's been an awful lot of propaganda about earthquakes and goodness knows what else. You know, we learn now much of that funded by Russia, because of course it was in their interests for us not to develop onshore gas. Uh, but it's only, you know, what we're talking about here, Nick, in Surrey is tiddling. You know, the big one, the big one is the Boland Gas Reserve, which is up in Lancashire, into Cumbria, right across the Pennines, into Yorkshire. Now, that is a vast gas reserve. That reserve alone, if exploited, would make us self-sufficient. We would not need to rely on importing gas. And the more wind turbines you build, the more gas you need as the backup for when the wind doesn't blow. But again, you see, uh, we, 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 we've got a, a government who are ideologically committed to what they discuss in Richmond in their four million pound homes at tea, which is how we alone can stop the world from warming, uh, which of course is a complete nonsense. And I'll add one other thing to that that explains to you how this strategic thinking, you might want to go green and cut CO2, fine, but you need strategic thinking within it. Why is diesel so expensive? Why is the differential between diesel and petrol opened up the way that it has? Why is the link between the spot price of crude and the price of petrol and diesel broken in some ways over the last month. And if I sound a bit angry uh, to one or two viewers on this particular podcast, well, I am. Um, I think we've squandered the Brexit opportunities. I think we've gone down a route of socialist command economy state control. I think we're seeing the failings of it um, as businesses now start to really consider whether the UK is the right place to invest, given the threat of windfall taxes, and in energy terms. I mean, for the Times of London to run a front page last week that energy rationing could be coming by the autumn. I mean, can you add an, an EVIT? Uh, and yet, there's no opposition. The Labour Party has got nothing to say on any of this. Uh, there is a, a House of Commons that is now economically illiterate. And frankly, it's just a few journalists and commentators out there that are making the counter arguments. Um, I don't see any of this changing with Johnson as prime minister. And that's why I want him gone as quickly as possible. Um, if, you, you know, if you're going to lose the next election anyway, have the opportunity to find somebody who's actually got a head and a nose for business and make some big strategic changes. You never know. You might just take the country with you. I just want to quickly mention that even if you have vast you know, your gas and, and other energy reserves and you produce, you might still end up with a shortage, which is what's happened in Australia, one of the biggest coal and gas exporters in the world. They're worried about shortages and rationing in Australia too. So government, you know, as we say, couldn't get drunk in a brewery. They'll find a way to stuff up whatever it is that they do. Last but not least, I just want to quickly get your opinion on what's happening in, in China at the moment with the latest lockdowns in Shanghai. If China keeps on doing this lockdown roulette, what's going to happen to the global economy? Because all this is just going to get worse. 
comfortable. I mentioned a whole range of factors as to why I'm not particularly bullish for stock markets a few minutes ago. Yes, I mean, this is, this is equally yet another huge risk factor. I mean, it is difficult for me to understand and believe that the Chinese are going to go on committing this act of self-harm over and over. But I don't really understand the Chinese Communist Party's psychology uh, when it comes to how they manage their own country. So I don't know is the answer. I just, I don't know. Uh, but clearly, clearly, we're in this odd place, aren't we, where we have inflation that is rampant within the economies, and it's something, I mean, you've been calling it longer than I have. And yet, we face this sort of very odd prospect of perhaps the whole of the Western world, perhaps the whole of the world, is on the verge of a big recession at the same time. Um, so we know about stagflation, we're in that now, you know, very low growth, rising inflation, uh, you know, add to that the prospect of recession. Um, and yeah, I think we're in for a very, very tough few months.